inspiration both on and off the rugby pitch in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Two interviews this week. Later in the podcast, we'll hear from London Welsh Director of Rugby, Kai Griffiths, on their third promotion in three years as they look to rebuild one of the great names of Welsh and world rugby. But first, a trip along the Taff Valley to Traharis, where the Traharis Phoenix Rugby Club has proved itself at the heart of the community in these difficult times, finding food in the area for those who need it. Shortly, we'll hear from Pip Gwynn, very much at the heart of all the efforts along with daughter Stacey, as featured on BBC Wales. But first to explain club committee man Hugh Evans. Hugh, just to start off with, just explain how Traharis have uh, been able to help out in these difficult times. Uh, so what we've been doing, obviously with um, no rugby and the need for social distancing, we set up a volunteer scheme uh, late last year called Friends of the Phoenix. And around January this year, Pip, our new stewardess, took over the club. We knew we wanted to help the local community. Pip's cooking is pretty legendary in these parts and Pip had started doing Sunday dinners and there was a real need and want from the local community from those who were socially isolating to get home deliveries so we set up a home delivery service via the club. Pip and her daughter Stacey have been running the kitchens and delivering to vulnerable key workers and members of the local community within uh, Triharis and the surrounding area. So it's a fantastic scheme, but just to maybe put it in context, describe Triharis as a club and the part you play in the in your community even before all this started. So we're uh, a small club, but we are at the heart of our community. So we're sited on the former deep navigation colliery, sitting here today on a glorious sunny blue day. All the streets within the village were built around the the site of the old pit. And it, it really, geographically and, and in lots of other ways, is, is really the heart of the community that we serve and a focal point for young people through the sport and, and through the rugby that they participate in, but also for volunteering as well. So it's... Um, with our community volunteering, with our fundraising, um, the, the players, the supporters, the team are very proactive in that area. We also have had some tragedies recently within the local community which has brought the club and the community even closer together with the clubhouse and the club itself acting as a focal point for the community. We're just really keen that we act not only as a as a rugby club but we act as much more so we act as a community hub we encourage a lot of uh, families and children in the local area but being that focal point for volunteering and being at the heart of the community as well so having been the focal point anyway was there almost a an expectation that you'd look for some way of getting involved and helping out i think people naturally look to us for solutions i think in a time where we've got to remain socially distant and where we've got to remain apart. As with lots of South Wales Valley's towns, the feeling of community is when we all come together. So it's probably harder within the South Wales Valleys to be separated as a group of people than ever. For the club's perspective, we felt we wanted to get involved and coordinate 
that response as best we can and Pip has been at the heart of that and Stacey making sure that all the local community has been fed and um, putting all that together as well with a fantastic effort to be honest. And I'll come back to Pip and Stacey in much greater length but just one last question about the club itself. Going through this process there's obviously no money coming in through the bar. Every rugby club has been hit by the, the lack of action. What sort of state are you in looking forward to yeah, whenever things are lifted and, and whenever you are able to get back, you know, is, is the club going to be OK? Uh, it's going to be a real struggle financially for all rugby clubs in current circumstances. But we're very hopeful that through the hard work and, and the community support that we've got, that people will remember the great work that Pip has done, the club has done, get more actively involved in the volunteering it's been a very much a case of seeing through the COVID response at the minute and then um, looking forward to make plans as we've been successful on the field. We'd like to do the same off the field as well. So um, the development of a five-year strategic plan and the community volunteer scheme that we've put in place has, has brought new skill sets into the club and that has been something that we've really benefited from. Things like... Um, one of our volunteers, for example, is, is a licensed drone pilot and photographer and he's been getting actively involved in the club and other people cutting grass and helping out around the place. But financially, it is a struggle and obviously anything we can get assistance-wise or any grants that can help us would be brilliant. But we're really looking to get back to being the thriving rugby club that we are and looking for the future, really. Best of luck with that, certainly. Um, <laughs> describe Pip and Stacey to me. Pip and Stacey are mother and daughter. Everybody within the village refers to Pip as Auntie Pip. She's a force of nature, most caring, kind, considerate person. Her and Stacey in the kitchen is fun on wheels. They're constantly laughing and joking and having fun together. But that said, it's real hard work in a small rugby club kitchen preparing as many meals and as lunches as they do but just you know Pip's heart and commitment to the club is as big as the village itself and um, it's absolutely wonderful when uh, when we see all of it come to fruition. And just give us an idea of the scale of the operation that they've been leading through this and it's not just their hard work it's a lot of other people contributing to it as well. Yeah so the, the meals that have been prepared there's been hundreds of meals that Pip and Stacey have prepared you know, the volunteers have been delivering, I think on one Friday, it was something like 150 fish and chip suppers that were delivered in the community and Pip cooked them all by hand. Week on week, there's been hundreds of meals prepared by Pip, over 100, 100 Sunday lunches being turned out every weekend. It's a massive effort on on Pip and, and Stacey feeding the whole community, really. And people supporting... Yeah, getting hold of the food, buying the food as well. Yes, yes. Um, we've had some support off local businesses, so we've been able to provide free meals to key workers, NHS staff and a few others. But yeah, support of the community, support in the club, as supporting those that are isolating. And a key one as well, because of the local knowledge, being able to identify those who are vulnerable and maybe feeling somewhat isolated at this time. Whereas they may be in the past that come to the rugby club for Sunday lunch as, as they won out in a week now, they've had that taken away from them so at least they, they can get contact from the volunteers delivering their food to them.
and to get the recognition with the BBC getting involved, has that made any difference? You're obviously carrying on as you were before, but has that been just quite nice to have and to see? Uh, I think it's been fantastic to see, the, particularly Pip and Stacey, recognised for all their hard work because they've, they've been great unsung heroes of the club. And I think those who do the hardest work within the club are people like Pip and Stacey and the volunteers. It's about recognising that commitment as well. So I think the BBC programme was fantastic in, in recognising the pivotal role that they play within the club. And without them, they just wouldn't be a rugby club. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely fundamental, to be honest. Well, uh, Auntie Pip, I mean, just explain where this this came from. You you were a crucial part at the heart of the community long before this this all started, weren't you? Yeah, I've always been part of this community. I wouldn't live anywhere else. <laughs> and so used to playing a part in the rugby club and helping people again long before all this started. Yeah, the boys are my boys. <laughs> I was watching on TV and some of them have, have come through <laughs> from really young and, and obviously, as you say, they're your boys. You've looked after them for a long time now. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> My house is always open to them. All this uh, coronavirus situation kicks off and it seems though the rugby club's going to be closed. What was your thinking back then a few weeks ago? Oh, I was gutted because I only took the club over about a fortnight before we closed. I had to take it on as my own business, and then we shut. So I thought, oh, I'll st- keep on doing the Sunday dinners. I was asked to. And you've just gone on from there now, it's every day. Just give us an idea of what you do every day. Oh, uh, my menu, right. We put a new one on this week. Steak and ale pie, corned beef pie, fish and chips, ham salad, new potatoes, jacket potatoes, baguettes, faggots and peas, liver and onions, chicken curry, beef curry, just everything, whatever they ask for, I do. Wow, and and you're doing more than 100 many days. That is an incredible commitment. Just give us an idea of just how how much time that takes, how much effort it takes. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) I'm (laughs) down here early prepping. And then um, we do that day's work and then we prep the day after then. And you and Stacey so, very much as a team. Yes. And my um, future sister-in-law's involved on the weekends with a Sunday because the Sunday has gone manic. <laughs> <laughs> and is it nice to get the recognition on TV and you're not putting this work in because of that, but it's nice to see that people are recognising it? Oh, yeah, shame in. <laughs> <laughs> And it could be going on for a while. What? How do you see the future going? <sighs> well, honestly, we are running low on funds, but I don't know, we'll pick up, we'll stick at it. There's a lot of support and a lot of help, so we'll stick at it. And presumably you can't wait for the day when you're just allowed to open the rugby club as normal again. Oh, I tell you what, they come in on a Friday, they can go work on a Monday from you, and I'll end them home. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Pip, from everyone involved in Welsh Rugby, you're doing a fantastic job. It's really, really appreciated. And uh, it's great to see how the rugby club can be at the heart of the community like that as well. Yeah, thank you very much. And a marvellous effort by the club in general, Pip and Stacey in particular. But now on to a very different rugby story. 
London Welsh are one of the great names of the game with a star-studded history. But then the professional outfit went bust. But the amateur side is rising back up through the ranks, under director of rugby Kai Griffiths, the former Ospreys and Wales age-grade prop. It's quite a story. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Well, Kai, it's really good to speak to you. And there you are, Director of Rugby in in London Welsh. And I suppose the obvious place to start in these times is, how are you? Because, you know, with this coronavirus scare going on, it's something you've experienced. Yes, um, I was COVID positive about seven weeks ago. And yeah, it was it was a strange one because I'm I'm hardly ever sick. So for me to be sick, it has to be something quite quite big or I have to it's a tranquilizer gun to me to get me down on the floor. So I felt a bit pretty bad, let's say day one, a bit of a headache, wasn't feeling myself. Uh, my eyes were aching as well, a bit of a hot and cold flushes. And then day two, the intensity of the headaches worse. Again, completely fatigued. Uh, day two and three was the same. And then day four then sort of got better. But the strange thing was I sort of lost my taste, uh, the sense of my taste and smell. Yeah, didn't feel right. So then five, six, seven, then felt okay. And then, yeah, fully recovered. So it was a bit scary because you hear some horror stories um, and you still do. It's a strange period. And that was just before the full lockdown as well, the one day before. So I was readjusting with my work life to be able to work from home. A bit scary, but I'm completely fine now. That's very good to hear. Does it give you a different perspective on everything that's going on? Yeah, it does. It's made me think because we were very, very, so we were washing our hands. We were sort of doing a little bit of social distances at that point. But it was one day before the full lockdown where, so we had a friend over here. Uh, and she stayed for about an hour or two and she was over on the Wednesday and she got tested on the Monday and she was positive and after she'd gone the day after I felt sort of felt a bit sick so you silence it you can't even see it so I know a couple of people have, have had it as well and that's just from being at home for two weeks going on the tube which was quiet coming home and then they've got sick the day after or day after so it has to be being on the train or something so you've got to be very careful and for myself now, I'm working. I'm working full time from the house. It is strange in London, of course. Director of London Welsh, still playing for London Welsh as well. But can I just take you back almost to the to the beginning of it for you and the Welsh age grade setup and coming up in North Wales and then making your way up to the Ospreys? How did that whole process work for you coming through the system then? It's going back some years now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, not all that far, but yeah, a little uh, while. So, uh, originally from Carnarvon, didn't start rugby till I was about 12. Used to play football in goal, a bit bigger than every other player. Then my friend who was playing for Carnarvon asked me to come across and I I came into the club. And then within a couple of weeks, I absolutely loved it. I was quite lucky that my school PE teacher... Uh, Yeah, Jones, he was very supportive of me in school and also trying to support me in the club as well. Jonathan Patchett is another one, uh, really developed me as a forward. So I started, I think I had about four or five games at centre 
Crashwell Centre. <laughs> and then, obviously, I did the journey that you never want is from centre to number eight, to second row, to loose end, then to tight end. So, across three, four years, I went from centre to becoming a tight end. And uh, at that point, not many uh, players in age grade, but having sort of... A, that exposure to higher rugby because in the south definitely at that point it was the teams were stronger the players were better but i was lucky enough to be scouted by the welsh youth setup i got my first cap of welsh youth and then the second year then uh, i was lucky enough to get a school's cap so getting exposure at, at that point then some teams were looking at me so loved what neath were doing and what developments they've done beforehand with their props, like some of the greats that's been there. And obviously went regional after that, and I was lucky to uh, have a stint in the Ospreys for a long time. Pretty successful period in the Wales age grade, and as you say, then going into the Ospreys in a very successful period for them. The Galacticos period, winning the um, what's now the Pro 14 and on a few occasions. What was that like? What are your main memories from that period? A lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was looking around the team and being able to train and play with with the likes of Duncan Jones and Adam Jones, where I've been looking up to them anyway. Yeah, for me it was like, wow, I'm actually I'm actually here and actually training with you guys and playing with them. But yeah, it was a Galacticos era with the likes of JC, Joey Collins, Mike Holler, Philzy, Shane, Justin Marshall, Bernie, Hookie, Henson, Jughead. And then coming to the end of your time at the Ospreys and a and a period at London Welsh and then back at the Ospreys, what was your what were your feelings around that period in terms of was coaching always the objective or at that point was it just trying to prolong the the playing career at the highest level as long as you could? What were you thinking then? It's always tough. I, I've been one of the lucky ones because my last two years in the in the Ospreys I negotiated my contract to be ninety percent paid from the rugby part of it but 10% paid by the commercial side of it because I knew that I needed to build up my business knowledge understanding for the time for me to actually step away from the game so I, I tried to do as much as like I didn't do enough if I'm honest with you I did not do enough but I was going to network events doing events to all that so yeah for players it's get as much done as he can experience-wise because when it finishes the game doesn't really care about you <laughs> so how did the change to london welsh come about because back then london welsh were obviously a you know, partially professional semi-professional outfit challenging in and out of the premiership over those years so what what happened then so i came to london for a year with London Irish and then I did a year with London Welsh in 2013 I think it was so that was a full-time squad 35 playing in the championship looking to, to get promotion so we got promotion that year and then decided there wasn't a contract there for me so I came back to the Ospreys for the last two to three years but going back to when I was with Bury St Edmunds when I was coaching them that was the year that London Welsh was in trouble and Sonny Parker, obviously the ex-Ospreys in Wales, he was the team manager with the professional side. And he stayed on to try and build and get people on board regarding the amateur side to try and build it up. So he worked really hard with our chairman, uh, our ex-chairman, Gwyn, 
going through a lot of pain at that point then the board decided with the amateur side we need to try and get them up into the nationals so they put a plan together it was four promotion in five years and basically when I was coming to the tail end with Barry St Edmund Sonny basically just dropped me a text saying what are you doing next year have you thought about us let's grab a coffee (laughs) (laughs) good timing again good timing again so um, met up with him Gwyn and I got really excited and I was thinking yeah I'm all in I'm all in so I really enjoyed my time there in 2013 loved the club loved the people there we were going down to level nine six levels below from what I was coaching so there's a lot of adjustments there but we got promoted that year with one loss and then the following year then had another promotion this season had another promotion so we're on task so we've done three and three and hopefully having a, uh, another successful year this year and you must have been a bit nervous about this year's promotion because obviously in the end they made the decision to do it on the basis of, of points averages and so on and you were flying and uh, you're clearly on, on course for promotion but it could have been jeopardised. We were seven points clear when all this happened the union sent a statement out right at the start saying that we're managing this we're having a look at um, which ways to do it and I was thinking oh god they're just going to avoid it. And then the Scottish Rugby Union and the WRU then put a statement out there. They basically voided the league and there's no promotions or relegations. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is how it's going to happen. It's going to be the same league again. And I think it would have deflated us a little bit. And then we got it through that. They're uh, the looking at um, some sort of point system. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank God. It was a big relief from our end. So that promotion means, that they say, three and three. So you're still on target and National League still the ambition, but with an amateur set up and an amateur club. Yes, completely. And for us, we've learned our mistakes and it has to be sustainable. And the model we've got now is sustainable. So we've got a big uh, membership base. The players pay the membership. We haven't got one benefactor. We've got a couple of sponsors, that, which helps as well. And I think in the past three years, we've seen supporters come back and they really enjoy it. So we are, it is a big name, London Welsh, but it does feel like it, it is a small town village feel in the club itself. So we get about six to 800 people at our home games, which is incredible for our level. And yeah, the feel in the club, it's great. We've really gone back to our roots. And also, what the most important is, I think the, the players are enjo- enjoying their journey as well. I know success is a big part of that, but it's much more enjoyable when you're winning. We try and look after the players. We're a complete amateur site, so we don't pay them any players any money. And we're not looking at that model for next year either. But what, how we do look at it, we try and look at them on the field, off the field, in a way that have a good coaching group around us. So it's trying to support the players as much as we can and giving them the right environment to enjoy themselves. Because again, it's Tuesday and Thursday. And for me, I have to realise that I am asking them to commit for those two nights. They have to enjoy it, but they have to um, grow as a player as well. So doing things the right way, but do you feel a a bit of pressure because you've obviously got the history of London Welsh back in the 70s all the great names all the 
infrastructure that's there, the facilities are there, the stand is still there. Does that put pressure on you to try and get the club back up as fast as you possibly can? Yes, it does, yeah. But <laughs> you're laughing. But that's why I enjoy it. I mean, it's not a burden, but just the, the size of the machine itself. Uh, I do enjoy it. And yeah, there, there is a pressure to perform and get results. But the pressure of what those guys went through in 2017 to adjust from the first team going into liquidation and try and structure the amateur to come through that is pressure doing that is the club could have been weeks away of just absolutely just the noble and the welsh left so that is pressure itself so yeah there is pressure but it's not to what those guys went through of that period so yeah and the, the boys are feeling that as well it's it's a special place you go to the john Dawes room there's lions shirts there we had john taylor last year giving us um a speech before the game John's our president he comes to um, majority of the home matches and yeah he grabs me after the game as I'm walking back into the changing room and gives me an earful of how we can get better so yeah little bits like that as you go up through the levels of the success continues do you come under pressure to change the amateur ethos that you've got now no 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 for us this is working at currently this is working obviously when we go up the leagues it'll get tougher but you, you can't think in a, in a different way obviously you do because the success is working now you need to change little things to keep the success going because if you're still doing the same thing as i'm doing now in two three years time and if we have gone up the leagues it's not going to work so the bare corvers look after each other enjoy each other's company and enjoy your time here train hard and play hard i think that's the sort of nucleus of us going up the leagues yes it we might have to change if we go into the championship we might have to look at a different model what richmond has done and their model they started from scratch years and years ago and now they're in in the championship where it's all about the team for them and for us, it's all about the team and giving the team as much tools, knowledge and enjoyment. And then hopefully that will look after the results. And just to come to the to the end, really, for yourself and for London Welsh, yeah, what are the ambitions for at both club and personal level? Looking at promotion again this year, we know that it, this year is going to be a big, big step because we're in London one south um so big big teams that'll be a challenge i think recruitment wise we've done well we've we've kept about 90 percent of our players as well so that's for me going into the fourth year having the core of our group from year year one that makes it a bit easier um so yeah no bones about it gunning for promotion again this year and then after that that will be this plan done hopefully we get four in four, and then we'll have to look at what, what the objectives is going forward. So if that means that we're looking to go to Nat 1 in two years, three years, that's the target. If we're looking at championship, we'll have to put a plan together. But we, we're not looking that far at the moment just because I feel it could dilute what we're trying to do this year, potentially next year if it doesn't go too well for us this year. So that's the short term. And then personally, I'm absolutely 
loving my time coaching and playing as well down at the club. I am actually loving booting up and going on the field. I'm looking at stepping back a little bit more in my game time this year. Because I think feel like the development of the players and the leadership is is really grown this year and towards the tail end of last year. So hopefully I'll be able to sort of step back a bit and do a more of a, of a coaching role on the side than playing. Yeah, did completed my level three, so I really enjoyed that. And yeah, I'm just looking to grow as a coach, speaking to other coaches, see what their approach is. Hopefully with London Welsh for a good couple of years I'm hoping if, if they want me that is um, <laughs> but yeah that, that's that's where I'm at with my coaching really Great well Kai it's been really interesting chatting to you congratulations on uh, all the success at the moment at London Welsh it's great to see such a great club coming back and everyone in Wales will think that and good luck with it thanks very much so That's good to hear two inspiring stories in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast more Welsh Rugby news next week, of course. But until then, goodbye and stay safe.